Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. Hey, welcome to Friday. I know this morning was a little bit, it it was a different type of podcast. We were talking about Anthony Chavez, an amazing man that is standing up for his kids, but he's also standing up for others' kids. There was a lot to digest in one hour. I don't think I did that great of a job of, of breaking it down for you, but the gist of it is is that this all started when he was, um, you know, you know, protecting his child from him to wear a mask. Um, so if you get a chance to watch it, go back and watch it. Uh, there's a lot to digest, and we'll be uploading some documents. But today, tonight, um, you know, I am... I am shocked that David and Aaron Clements are not on every broadcast out there. The work that they are doing in Otero County um, of doing this audit, a canvassing, a full audit, literally from end to end, not just counting ballots, not just going through the system, the computer system, not just doing forensic images, not, not, not just all of that, but canvassing and making sure that the votes that should be counted are counted and getting to the bottom of the fraud that we have now been told in multiple states is happening inside of the system. So without any further, let's bring on David and Aaron Clements. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Hey, Joe. My brother from another mother. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, was, I was a little spicy. It's Friday. And um, I know you have some truth bombs to drop on us. But tell us what's going on in uh, New Mexico. Well, I think more people are becoming aware of the Otero audit, but through uh, negative coverage. And so I think that the expose that was first put out there was Rachel Maddow was in touch with Brian Colon. Brian Colon is New Mexico's state auditor. And interestingly enough, Brian Colon is running for attorney general, wants to make a name for himself. And in the process, without doing any investigation, no auditing of our voter rolls, no auditing of the Zuckerbucks to the tune of $4.2 million in New Mexico, decided that this Otero audit needs to be investigated. And so before contacting us, he went on national TV, on a biased news network with a biased anchor. And so the first little bit of information that people have gotten about the Otero audit on mainstream media is from Maddow. And then you've got the Daily Beast and a few other fabricated stories that are concocting this fairy tale that our canvassers are intimidating folks. And uh, it's all a bunch of lies. And, and so I, we're, we're happy to be here to share kind of the, the truth that's going on right now in New Mexico. You know, I, I've been following, I, I mean, obviously I stalk your Telegram channel. Um, I, I watch you very closely. Um, uh, the, the prayer updates, the protection that you give to Lynn Wood, the just tireless, courageous effort that you put into both of you. And part of this process of, of stalking all of your social media stuff, and because um, I do do, do that, um, is that you've gotten these really mean messages that are, frankly, kind of scary. Yeah, well, it all started with, um, you know, from, from day one, if you, if you were to look at the book from the enemy as it's written to go after canvassers, we saw what happened in Maricopa County. Yeah. Merrick Garland started saying, we're worried that there's going to be intimidation of people at the home, uh, that it's rooted in racism. And so that was enough to scare off Karen Fan and the folks in the legislature to not partner with a canvas. Now, there were independent canvases. Well, the same narrative started to emerge, um, but it, it was from an account that was very, very unusual. And I'll let Aaron explain it because it actually was in exchange with her and this person that we refer to as the the purple hair, blue haired lady on TikTok. And and so when you look at these headlines from the Daily Beast, you have to understand that the entire specter of intimidation is rooted in one fabricated account. So Aaron, go ahead and share um, how this started and uh, I'll, I'll pipe in from time to time. 
Okay, so how it started was uh, a little over a couple of weeks ago, I got a communication from Otero County attorney asking me if we did, saying a concerned community member had a question for me. And I answered his question and I told the attorney, you know, I'm open and willing to talk to any community member about our process. We're trying to be very open and transparent so that people feel comfortable with it. And I said, you can give her my phone number. Um, if you like, if she wants, if she has anything other concerns, you know, she can reach out. And so she did call me the next day and she asked me the same question. She actually made up a story that was not true and I knew it wasn't true um, about, she was saying one of our canvassers was a pedophile and she recognized this person at the door. And wow. I said, who is this person? And she gave me a name and it was not one of our canvassers. And so it was, that was made up. And then this lady gives my happened to give this email with my contact information to blue haired TikTok girl. And um, by some crazy coincidence, our canvassers happened to knock on her door that weekend, blue haired TikTok girl. And she recorded the interaction, but you can't hear what our canvassers are saying. And so the blue hair person is kind of yelling at them and saying, "Who? why are you here? Like they introduce themselves as we are assistants or we are volunteers assisting with the audit and we're here to check the accuracy of the voter rolls. Do you have a couple of minutes to answer two questions? And she actually said yes to that. And then she started interrogating them about who sent them. And they were like, well, the Otero County Commission has commissioned this and we're here on their behalf and stuff like that. And she's like, so, and then she was putting words in their mouth. So you're employed by them and just yelling at them and you can't even hear what they're saying in, re in response. Um, but anyway, she actually completed the voluntary uh, survey and she answered the questions and it wow. turned out that one yeah so she was very intimidated she went ahead and did the survey but um one of the she admitted that one of the people listed at her residence had not lived there in years so we have all the notes from this and we have two witnesses at her door that know what happened and then she takes this thing that she'd been recording and she selectively edits it and then inserts a bunch of cursing and stuff and then puts it online with my my phone number and my name and she's pointing to my name and my phone number and within a couple of hours of that thing going up i start getting calls um threatening calls calling me an idiot telling me what we're doing is illegal and and then eventually they turn into death threats and at that point i called the sheriff and he said this is getting out of control and we actually had figured out the source so we found the TikTok video um we found out who it was that sent the original email under a fake name. So we tied to her and we know that she gave it to blue haired TikTok girl. We, we knew her name because we canvassed her house. So we knew her name and address and we gave all that to the sheriff. So she's been under investigation since that, that time for harassment. And I don't know. No more yeah, videos, so huh? No more videos from blue haired <laughs> TikTok girl, huh? Well, yeah, she well, actually she set her account to private after I put out ah. on our telegram oh. channel that she's under investigation so the, the the thing that was interesting about this joe was um it was highly edited to where you couldn't actually hear the account of the canvassers now we know from our training that canvassers are scripted they read a script that's all they do they're and trained to read a script because the script is if you go off script you you miss things yeah exactly and we also have the buddy system so every canvasser is witnessed by another so this account was fabricated, but it was the grounds for um, the investigation from the state auditor. And that was the impetus for some of the other headlines like the Daily Beast that there's intimidation. Why? Because a lady who fabricated an account said she was intimidated. Now, we've also heard that there's been about 50 complaints is what the Secretary of State says that they've received. But what they will never tell you is the origin of the complaints. And the reason why they won't tell you is because they didn't emerge from Otero. Because when we look at the phone calls that were sent to Aaron, these are the same people. They're all out of state. Every single one of them's out of state. So the question is, how can you claim that you were intimidated in Otero County when you don't live there? How can you claim that you've observed intimidation when you're not there to observe it? Yet that's all that was taken. That, that that was all that was needed to have a daily beast. Uh, story that was put out there to have um, NBC News reach out to us, to have Rachel Maddow go out there. So this entire um, narrative of intimidation is rooted in one failed candidate who provided Aaron's number and the TikTok girl who's now being investigated by the FBI for stalking harassment and has a pending complaint 
that's being reviewed by a detective in the district attorney's office. Based on that. And if they don't, if they don't charge her, by the way, I would sue them. I would, I would then turn around and sue the DA's office for, you know, uh, I, I, so there's a civil, you're a lawyer. So there's ways that you can get around that to force the well, issue. What I would say is that, the, 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 and this is how you know that we're being credible and they're not, is that there's not been one complaint that's actually been filed with law enforcement. So you'll have people that will send an email to the Secretary of State or anonymously leave a, a, a voicemail, but not one person has contacted the authorities citing any real factual circumstance for intimidation. And we know that's not the case. We've got, this is a small community. Everyone knows each other. We've got people that are married to the guy that runs the hardware store five generations in. Yeah. We've had the I've actual, been there. Uh, it's very small. Yeah, very small. And, and we've okay. even had, um, you know, the sheriff's wife has come out, helped us canvas. One of our county commissioners witnessed the training and went out. We've had our commissioners actually be the recipients of the survey saying, wow, 30, 45 seconds and they're done and they're out of here. So it's garbage, but that's what has had all of the headlines. And so, you know, a few days ago, I just posted that it's odd that we're, we're getting nickeled and dimed on false headlines, but there's no one in the country that's actually looking at the significance of this audit. And while it's not Maricopa, you know, it's not 2.1 million ballots. When you've got someone of the pedigree of Dr. Shiva as your prime contractor, when you've got the top machine experts in the country looking at the forensics, when you've got someone like Draza Smith and Jeff O'Donnell looking at the cast vote record, um, it's a smooth operation and we're doing a full uh, canvas. And this is uh, in partnership with the county. So while we have volunteers, you've got someone like myself who can look at the legal sufficiency of affidavits, look at the canvas process, and we really have the most talented folks in the country that are working on this from a systemic uh, systems approach, which I know you appreciate. We look at every single chain or, or, or kink in the chain to look for vulnerabilities. And so we've learned a lot about what went wrong in Maricopa and we want to bolster the things that were done right. And that's what's going on right now, but we're not getting any coverage from the, the major Patriot networks. Well, and I find that interesting, like not even AON. I think that uh, this, this whole idea that these lawsuits have survived a, a corrupt judiciary is probably giving them pause. I have no pause. I'm not going to pause because I'm, I'm, I'm literally dying for the day where I get to depose Dominion Voting Systems and I get to get access to information that will prove that their system is fraudulent, right? Yes. And, and frankly, we already have it. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you erase logs... You erase logs and you set them so that you cannot, it's like putting a mark on a drawing board and you can erase it like you were never there. That is mm -hmm. enough to me to know that that system is corrupt. Forget that what happened out of Georgia. I mean, I know, I'm sure you've heard of this, where the ballot images were replaced inside of the adjudication process program of the of Dominion voting systems. Like it, yeah. they proved it. They proved mm -hmm. that that happened. And now you have what you're doing in Otero County. I know that there's some fear on their side that there's just, you know, I, I, I don't want to be sued. But at the end of the day, if, if we don't do, if the work that you're doing right now is so important, and Doug Logan said, we're, the reason why I didn't say we should have decertified Arizona, even though I felt that way, is because we would have been in a constitutional crisis. I would argue we're there now. Yeah. We've been there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what's interesting is that this, this um, our focus is local. And I think we've been failed by delegating away our power, thinking, oh, wow, we've got to get every single representative to agree, or we've got to get Congress to, to work on this. No, let's just go to a county. Let's find a few county commissioners that have a spine. And this is, I mean, really, Joe, you're the one that, that coined this. This is about public trust. It is. And, and so we don't have trust as constituents. The people of Otero don't have trust. That's why they allowed us to have this audit. So I want to commend Coy Griffin who's one of the county commissioners, uh, Vicki Marquant, and, and also um, is it Gerald, Gerald Matherly, because they actually authorize us to do this. Now, the goal is to do what just happened in Nye County. Um, Jim Marchant led the effort where you had a 5-0 vote to get rid of the machines in Nye County. That's huge. You also have the Rio Blanca vote of two to one. So we want to get to a place where people are casting real votes getting rid of the machines, going all to paper, and it's very doable. 
So that's going to be the, I mean, at some point we're going to have to re we're going to present all of our findings, but right now, and, and I think Aaron can share with you some of the canvas findings, why public confidence is not going to be restored. We can already tell you that right now, based on the work that we've done. And she could, she could also explain some of the phases that are outstanding on, on some things that we're going to learn. But Joe, if, if you'd like to hear um, the canvas update, it's staggering how screwed up the voter rolls are in Otero. Well, I, I would love to hear it. I'm going to read a couple. We have a couple of sponsors. I'm going to pull them in here if I can real quick. Um, so we have a, a sponsor who's been with us since the beginning. Um, uh, our podcast is sponsored by Air Medcare Network. If you live in a rural area that's hard to reach uh, by road, if you do hiking or spend a lot of time outdoors or if you drive a lot, um, health insurance won't always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight. God forbid that ever happened to you. Um, and you don't want to put a financial burden on your family or make it so that you go bankrupt in the process. But with, so with Air Medicare Network, you're covered. For as little as $85 a year, your whole household will be covered in case you ever need to be air medically transported. And if you use the promo code daily, go to airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily. You'll receive up to a $50 e -car, gift card when you sign up today. Go see them. Um, so tell me about the canvassing. I mean, that's, that's actually where it starts because that tells you a lot about what you're about to see when you get into the machines. Yeah, it, and I think it's, it, it seems to be the part of the, of the audit that is worrying our opposition the very most. Um, they're really going out of their way to try to discredit what we're doing and make us out like monsters. Um, well, but let me say this real quick <clears throat> because I, I totally skipped over this, Joe. We, Dr. Shiva, who we work with, received a letter from the U.S. Congressional Oversight Committee. So I, what I failed to, to let you know is not only are we getting heat from the attorney general, the secretary of state, the state auditor, the democratically led U.S. Congress has now made Otero County one of their targets for oversight based on the TikTok fabricated account. So right now we, we anticipate that there's going to be a continued political theater where uh, we're going to be we're going to be basically investigated but congress is now involved in little otero county but i, I want to make sure that we let you know that before aaron give you gave you the results of the canvas so we're about 15 percent done um, with canvassing the addresses in otero county and then just in round numbers high level um, about 60 percent of the rolls are fine and then the rest are not fine so of the remaining 40%, 30% of the people no longer live at these addresses where they're registered to vote. And we still need to do a lot of drilling down to the details and, you know. Wait, 30%? 30%. Okay, so, so these are people that voted in 2020. They voted in 2020 and they're not, well, no. So we're doing a full canvas okay. means we're, we're ca um, canvassing both people that voted and did not vote. Okay. And we want to do that so we can find the drop votes. Um, which is another problem. But in that 30%, about 40% of those people voted and the other 60 didn't. But something that um, was a red flag and has been a red flag in our data for a long time is that in New Mexico, we had 50,000 people on our rolls and they have a registration date after the election, but they voted on the, in the election. And you can see too that there was massive manipulation in our rules going on surrounding election day and it continued several months after the election and so some of these 30 percent of those people that are no longer at these addresses they also are some of those people that voted on election day but were registered after election day so we're supposed to believe not only that they registered after election day but voted on election day but they're already have they've already left these houses you know a year later yeah. <laughs> so that's a big red flag in that category and because they're not there anymore um, we just we can't necessarily drill down and verify you know all of their details but it's a giant red flag <clears throat> the the part that we can definitely say is a really big problem is about two to three percent of the votes are just dropped so you go to somebody's house and they know that they voted in the november 2020 election but their vote is not in their voter history anymore it's just gone and then we have another two to three percent of ghost votes and that's people that um <laughs> you know they don't exist at these addresses but they voted from that address i'm not laughing at you by the way i'm i'm literally sitting here going yeah. you've got to be kidding me yeah well, it's very similar to what they found Ugh. in other other states that have been like pennsylvania florida arizona all say the same sorts of things um even colorado our numbers are kind of close to that report that just came out so um the ghost votes 
are a problem. And then you've got incorrectly recorded votes. And I think this is, I'm not sure this has come up before. I haven't really heard about it before, but it's where a person is pretty sure they voted a certain way, but it was recorded in a different way. So in New Mexico, we have three ways to vote. You can vote early in person. You can vote by absentee mail-in ballot or Dropbox, and then you can vote in person on election day. And so, you know, this is not just a memory problem, like they forgot how they voted. This is, it's almost always that they're sure they voted on election day and their vote was recorded as either an early or an absentee ballot. And so it's the drop votes and the incorrectly recorded votes, they both speak directly to direct manipulation in the voter rolls. I mean, you could chalk the ghost votes up to ballot mules or something, um, you know, small time criminals messing around with ballots, but the, the drop votes and the incorrectly recorded, that's somebody manipulating the digital record. Mm -hmm. so and when you add it up, Joe, you're looking at, you know, approximately 12%. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you want to slice up drop votes, ghost votes, um, misrecordings, 12%. And that doesn't account for what we just mentioned, the 29 to 30% of people that are, that are uh, no longer there. And so we got this 40% huge chunk of our voter roll data that's just wrong. It's inaccurate. It's not up to date. Um, yeah, and to be fair to Otero County, it's a military town. So they do have a lot of turnover in people. So some of that 30% was to be expected. But the ones that that had had to have been there for such a short time and already left. Those are extremely suspect. It's not that bad though, because we haven't canvassed the base yet. So while we're concerned about the transitory nature of a military town, yeah. the canvas in the precincts that we've identified thus far and been to doesn't include Holloman Air Force Base. And, and what's, uh, what's reassuring about these numbers, Joe, we went out the first weekend and we got this, this it looked like a percent control where it's like, okay, 12% looks like there's some type of manipulation of the digital record and 29% is just wrong as far as who's there. Right. Well, then we went out a second weekend, the numbers don't change. Then a third weekend and a fourth weekend. And now we're at like weekend number five and these numbers have normalized. So we don't, we don't, I don't think we anticipate a wild deviation from the canvas thus far. It looks like it follows along the lines of Many of our experts like Draza and, and Jeff and others that have talked about, this is percentage control. And this canvas is bearing that out. So we, the canvas is showing the manipulation. You, you're now going through ballot images and you're walking the process as far as making sure that, that the ballots are real. How, are, you, are you going through that process as well to, to examine the paper and make sure that, that, uh, that every vote that was put in or through the machine is a, is a legal ballot? So I don't think that we're going to get a lot of information from the paper. First of all, that hasn't borne fruit anywhere else. So Maricopa never had, you know, this is the answer to oh, that come question. on. You're trying to tell me so, that Jovan doesn't know what he's doing? You know, come on. That's yeah. we got to look at the paper. The paper's going to tell us everything. Yeah, You know, yes. you know, it's just going to tell us everything. Sorry, I had to do that. And even before I felt <laughs> that way about the Maricopa investigation into the paper itself is I knew that fake paper or photocopied ballots are not going to be a problem in New Mexico because it's very well set up to have, you know, Draza's streamlined approach to a set point. We didn't have any trouble getting to our set point when you look at it from Draza's angle of yes. the PID control. So I knew that it wasn't a last minute, we've got to steal Otero County. And they weren't really, there's probably one race that they might've stolen, but the others, they were just shaving votes from Republicans and giving them to the statewide candidates. So I, I don't expect, even if we had a real good method to determine whether or not something was the right kind of paper or not, that we would find much there. I think something we will, we are gonna look at is the ballot envelopes themselves and um, the drop boxes, obviously, with the 2000 mules revelation, um, we might find, you know, like too many, I think we'll find too many absentee ballots and too many envelopes, mm -hmm. perhaps. So, but Dr. Shiva is handling all that part. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we, we have as far as a, a schedule that we can pursue is similar to what Shiva did in Maricopa, where he did the signature analysis. Now, um, so we've got the absentee mail um angle. And so what Shiva did in Arizona is he went through the deed registry. So he's able to look at signatures that were on file 
um, for, for property purchases and property right. acquisition. He was able to compare them. And um, it was staggering that, you know, through their methods, we were able to determine with confidence about 200,000 signatures didn't match. Right. So we're going to have that same um, ability to dig into the registry and compare in Otero County. So um, we know what's worked. And honestly, that that analysis that Shiva did just got picked up by a scientific journal um, and people that are highly skeptical of our positions are sitting there going, this is legit, like his analysis there. And so um, so we're fortunate to have that as part of the work schedule set up for this audit. Uh, we were able to scan 25,000 ballots last week, 6,000 envelopes, and uh, we're able to preserve chain of custody throughout the process. The county clerk and their officials watched everything. They even had democratic observers that were not friendly to our thing that sat there and anything that they wanted to raise a flag over, we addressed. We had the entire thing video captured. Uh, we had it open to the public. We had a sheriff's presence. And so this was um, unlike Maricopa, where it was kind of like a TV show where everyone was watching. We got in and out in one day and absolutely just crushed it when it came to the scanning aspect. So now it's in the hands of Shiva to do a ballot uh, image analysis. And then we've got experts that are looking at the cast vote record. And the more that I'm learning about the cast vote record, um, it's going to be illuminating. We'll see what happens. But uh, Aaron could probably uh, explain the significance of that because right now we've got people that are that are collecting those cast vote records across the country, and there's something that's very bizarre that's materializing, and we don't know yet if that's the case for Otero County. But how does the cast vote record work, and and why is it important to to understand that? Uh, so the cast vote record is uh, it's like the pattern on each individual the vote pattern at each individual ballot as it came into the system. Um, and this is why it gets to reorganize. Just to let everybody know, you can go through and do a count on the ballots, and then you just insert and re basically just shuffle them. Yes. Right? You shuffle them. Yes. To and get to so, that fixed point. Yeah. And I haven't seen the cast vote record yet. That's all in Dr. Shiva's hands for Otero County, but I have seen it for two other counties in New Mexico. And they were actually pretty small and they didn't go back and shuffle them. So you can see the clear ballot stuffing happening when they put in, when they feed in the absentee ballots, the, the uh, Trump to Biden ratio just drops like a rock, um, you know, for however many hundred ballots that was. And so I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see something like that. I mean, I can already see it in the absentee ballot um, results. I've been, you know, through this past year, graphing it in all kinds of ways. And the absentee ballots are absolutely, you know, off the charts as far as what any reasonable expectation would be based on the history or, you know, the people that were showing up to vote. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things out there that we're not even just consulting with Dr. Shiva, but we've got recognized experts across. I mean, that's one of the, the benefits of being in this game for the past year, Joe, is we you kind of figure out who's who, who knows their stuff. And um, so we've got a lot of people working on the Otero audit. And what's great about it is it's the most cost efficient audit that you'll find anywhere because you've got, I mean, we were, we were counting engineering degrees last week for the scan. There's 25 engineering degrees in the room alone. And so, and these are all people that aren't charging or billing their time. They're, right. They just care about they just their want voices. Truth. They just want the truth. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't heard much about election fraud. Obviously, I talk about it almost every day. Um, we had uh, the information that came out of Mesa County. You know, Tina Peters was the county clerk and recorder of Mesa County that came forward and did an image. I know that I was with you at the, the cyber symposium. Um, I'm not going to talk about the PCAPs specifically, but this was the focus. The focus was on getting the images and doing an analysis of those images. Um, do you have any thoughts? I mean, just kind of looking, you're in Otero County, you've got your head down, you're getting a bunch of good work done, but do you have any thoughts on, on you know, what they're doing to Tina Peters and uh, kind of the fear that they're trying to instill in others, intimidation across, across the country? Yeah. Well, there's two things that come to mind. One is, um, now that you brought it up, you've talked about the trusted build, yeah. right? And we've got a similar thing here. It's called preventative maintenance. Yeah. And so we already know that Dominion's come in and changed out batteries and wiped 
white records. We'll be able to confirm one way or another through the machine, the machine aspect of the audit, whether that happened. And we can't lose sleep over it. If it happened, then you've got a violation of federal law and you're not going to bolster public trust. And if the stuff's still there, then we can make comparisons. So um, I bring that up because Tina Peters, thank God, had different working sets from before the trusted build and we, they were able to make a comparison. And, and that was probably the most pivotal news that came out of the cyber symposium was, was the revelation that Tina Peters provided. Um, as far as what she's going through, it's sickening that you've got one courageous whistleblower and almost every single county clerk has basically tried to save themselves through propaganda networks. And now you've got the headline of an indictment. Uh, you got, uh, you know, the, the absolute travesty of how she's been treated, being arrested, and then her entourage, the people that have supported her, have also been affected. Um, so uh, I identify with that. It looks like things are heating up for Aaron and I. Uh, we hope that we don't have the same fate. But when people start talking about criminal charges, I mean, what, what I would tell you is what we're facing is a flash mob conviction. Like it's we're getting tried through headlines and that's all people read. And then you're left with this sense that uh, which really supports the narrative that we've already been told by mainstream media, that if you fight for election integrity, you're to be treated like a domestic terrorist. And so when we go and we read these headlines and we see how Tina Peters is being treated, we resonate with that because all the coverage out there is is capturing us as domestic terrorists. Well, and. And I and I have to tell you that you're, I mean, are you getting a huge book deal for this, or are you get a movie? Uh, anybody deposit millions of dollars into your account? Anybody offer to pay you ten million dollars not to do it? I'm just curious. <laughs> no, no, they haven't. Not only that, and, and, and we're, and we're <laughs> sorry, so I had to say, I had to say that. That's a little, little well, and we're so sensitive, Joe, to, to uh, grifting because we've all been burnt at some point. Every yes. one of us has vouched for someone or had our head in the toilet bowl, and and it's like we got dirty. And so Aaron's work, um, even though she's not doing Sheba's work, and we, but we have had to basically procure and make sure that we have the right experts' hands on the stuff. And to the extent that they have to make payroll and you know, pay the bills, they're doing that. But everyone else in this fight, Aaron, myself, we don't charge a dime. In fact, we, we wouldn't even if we could. Um, God's taking care of us. Uh, we're able to, to live a very modest lifestyle. But Aaron's work, is, I can vouch for her, she gets up in the morning. And she starts generating the canvas reports and she starts compiling the information. And she does that. And we we uh, we basically have to consult with people across the country doing their canvases. And she does that from first thing in the morning until at night. And that's been her life. Even before we started the Otero audit, Aaron was one of the chief architects of a 261 page preliminary uh, a New Mexico election fraud report that we actually printed out copies and made sure that they were delivered to every single county commissioner, DA, sheriff in the state. And what's alarming is that everyone has this material. They haven't rebutted it. They're just ignoring it. And so there, there's a level of complicitness. Now, we've had sheriffs that as of late have come out and they're like, we know something's wrong, but we've just never seen this type of fraud. And so we're having to partner with law enforcement. And, and what I'm proud of in Otero County is we work in consultation with the county sheriff, with the district attorney. Uh, we've got great relationships there. And now we've got folks in Sierra County that are reaching out saying, sign us up. Let us know how you're doing this. So I, I see this as little Jenga blocks that we're taking out of that election fraud tower. And if we can get to that vote of no confidence in Otero and that thing falls over, Watch out. Maybe not every county in New Mexico, much like uh, Jim Marchant said in Nevada, there's about 16 counties in Nevada that are ripe to go to paper. And I think out of in New Mexico, you're looking at out of the 33 counties, 28 counties could reasonably go to paper if if we can give them what they need here in Otero. Well, if if that happens, let's say that they um, issue a vote of no confidence and they remove the machines and they say, hey, we're not going to, we, we can't in good conscience certify the election out of our county. That has to move up the chain into the state legislation, legislators, right? Then they have to go through yes, and eventually yes, reach no, it, see, And I don't understand the process, so I'm just, I'm, I'm asking the questions. I think people are, as a matter of fact, that's yeah, two the, of the questions that came up. Like, what's next? Well, there's two things that, that come to mind on what you could do. 
you could have the county commission going for a home run. Like we don't care what the outcome is. We're decertifying the November 3rd, 2020 election. They could do that. That would present a, a crisis of sorts because you have all kinds of people that are now uh, not officially certified, that certification has been withdrawn. And, and so there could be legal court challenges. And then there's the other one, which is we're just going to have a no confidence vote. We're not going to decertify over November through 2020, but going forward, every single election will be cast on paper. It'll be hand counted. It will be observed. It'll be Amish. Now, as much as I want the decertification headline, you present problems in running future elections. So let's say that you had a county clerk that was on the ballot November 3rd, 2020. Well, who's going to, to who's going to run your your county election in the midterms? And so those are logistical things. I think a home run for us is Otero County should have control of their destiny. But to your question over jurisdiction, you have to understand that you have the state constitution in every state more or less reads the same. The legislature gets to set the time, place, and manner for elections. But you also have to look at the constitution in its entirety. County sheriffs have powers. County commissions have constitutional powers as well. And so the state legislature does not have exclusive jurisdiction over elections. The states as a whole do, but it's the counties that administer the elections. It's the right. counties that certify the results and they work in partnership. So that's concurrent jurisdiction. It's not exclusive. And, and the precedent for that is the past 200 years. We've always had a robust ground up level of, of how to handle our elections at the precinct level. So we're, you know, one of the things that I anticipate that if we get rid of uh, a machine corrupt election in Otero, what is going to be the what's going to be the contingency plan for the enemy? And I think that we have a, a, a case study out of Georgia. Brad Raffensperger, what did he say when he finally came around saying, oh, Fulton County is corrupt, even though I knew it was corrupt day one? He says, we'll turn it over to state receivership. That's what they want. See, they want a state centralized operation top down. And so I, I am anticipating that if we have this, this crisis point, this tension between local authorities and state authorities, that they will threaten to turn this over to state receivership. Now, do I welcome that? Yes, because this is a battle for reclaiming sovereignty of we the people. And, and if, we, if this is a government for the people, of the people, by the people, then we need to manifest that at, at a ground at a ground level. So the mantra is fix your county, fix your country. And Otero is going to have to model that. That's why we're watching what's going on in Nevada so closely is that, you know, these folks aren't going to give up just because we got rid of the machines. They're going to do anything they can to have centralized power of elections from the top down. So, so speaking of that lawsuit, um, the Raffensperger, Raffensperger lawsuit, is the Donna Curling versus Brad Roethlisberger lawsuit. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, the, the judge's um, uh, opinion on this, the fact that I Eric haven't. Coomer specifically lied about them, them being an audit. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at it. I actually have an unredacted copy of, the, of that opinion that was then sealed. Like I got it before that mm -hmm. happened. And some of the things in here, especially related to, um, you know, what Alderman, Dr. Alderman said about the, the insecurity of the systems, I just don't know, and, and maybe you can enlighten me on this, I don't know the sensibilities. I don't know how they're running away from this. Like, how do you run away from Georgia? Forget Maricopa County being an absolute disaster with the uh, controlled opposition being in the middle of it, but you still have problems in Maricopa. Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, Wisconsin, Michigan. How, why, how do these people not in prison? How are they not? How are our political prisoners in prison? And these guys are walking the street given just the, the absolute breadth of how much fraud has been uncovered. I think we have to expand our framework of what constitutes a good guy or a bad guy. We like our categories. Our good, D bad. Uh, Halderman, Professor Halderman, for instance, there's lots of videotape of him talking about how vulnerable and uh, our election machines are and, and how, how they can be connected to the Internet. Now, 
that video actually surfaced around the same time that you had all of these Democrats talking about machine vulnerability, whether it was Kamala Harris, uh, Amy Klobuchar. And so it, it, there's like this, this disjunctive weirdness about it because it's like, wait a minute, we have all of this video post-2016 of Democrats preparing us for massive election vulnerability. They actually spearheaded that charge. But after November 3rd, 2020, they're all silent. So that, that stands to reason, well, did we solve all the problems? Did we get rid of all those vendors? No, they're all there. So my, my thought about that, Joe, is that they were prepared for an outcome that was similar to 2016. Just like they cheated in 2016, for whatever reason, they didn't get Hillary in. Trump was the phenomena that, that basically destroyed all of their efforts to cover up the cheat then. And so I think they were, they were priming us. Let's say that Trump gets away with it again. Do we have a contingency plan? Then they could have kept up this mantra of election vulnerability, uh, hacking, all those things. Trump is not legit. Well, as soon as that happened, they disappeared. No one talks about it. And Halderman repurposes himself. Someone who was once a critic of the election systems, the vulnerabilities, Switch sides. ends up having switch sides. And in Michigan, he was the, the fiercest critic of Matt DiPerno's work in Michigan. And for my money, Matt DiPerno's work is still gold. I mean, he was very, very wise in making sure that he kept it tight, close. He did it by the book. Um, and a lot of the expert reports in there still hold up. Absolutely. So Halderman basically showed his real allegiances, which was not to the truth or to Some engineering money. principles. It was all about the partisan thing that he hates Trump. He's biased. So, uh, you know, you have to really look down at the fact level and say, OK, whose team are these folks playing for? And at, at the end of the day, I think they're playing for their own team. So they're playing for their own team. They're creating chaos, opportunity and chaos. You know, we, we call it line walking. Um, in negotiating, you, you line walk because you build a contingency on both sides. Uh, so if you're talking about something and it goes your way, you can then drop narratives that yes. do not support the direction you're going in. If it does not go your way, you bolster those narratives, right? And you continue down the path in order to create more chaos so that no progress can be made. It's a way of basically seizing control without seizing control. It's what the Democrats did when President Trump was elected in 2016. He, he, they, they literally went into the mode of strengthening, bolstering the narrative, right, which was the Russian collusion that they stole the election, blah, blah, blah. As soon as 2020 came around and they, and they got into the machines and now you knew, we're, we're finding out more and more that the, the code across these different machine manufacturers and, and companies are all made by the same people, connected to the other people. You have places in Serbia and Romania and Ukraine and they're stealing election data. And I mean, you, you see all this stuff coming out. Now it's safest, most secure election in U.S. history when literally they were talking about it. So this, this line walking that's happening inside of our politics is now we're seeing some, some kind of unlikely alliances and some enemies that we did not anticipate. We always talked mm -hmm. about rhinos, but that's a real problem. And it's even a problem in Otero County. Am I right? It is. We, we have, you know, so I got to be careful because we're working with a lot of these folks, but we have our eyes on potential squishes, mm -hmm. the, the people that respond to fear. And, you know, you have to understand when, when the county commission gets briefed by county attorneys, the county attorneys really aren't doing the analysis. They actually farm out their work to powerful law firms that represent the Association of Counties Insurance Group. And the only thing that the insurance group cares about is liability. Am I going to get sued or not? They don't care about the truth. So anytime they get advice and they give it to the county, it's never from a rubric of what's what happened? Are our elections uh, secure? It's always from, oh, crap, if you guys scratch this itch, there might be liability, there might be risk, there might be a lawsuit. And so, the, you know, what we, we try to do is cast a vision for these county commissioners that this isn't about having a, a strategy that's free of risk. This, there, was an, there was an election coup. There are bad guys and there's good guys. And there are people that are going to cover up and destroy evidence. And there's and people that, like us, yeah, that, that want to pursue the truth. So this, the prescription always comes down to courage. And, and thus far, the county commission has acted courageously. Now, I'm not worried about Coy Griffin, for instance. Coy Griffin. At all. Is courage to spare. 
and, and, and we're fortunate that he's there and he's someone who's accountable to his constituents. But ultimately, this isn't even what Coy wants. Like the people of Otero County want this audit. I mean, we have canvassers that go to the doors and they're thanking them. 99.9% is like, thank you for doing this. I cannot make sense of what happened on November 3rd, 2020. And we say, thank you for your time. And we move on, knock on another door and they say the same thing, except for the blue haired TikTok lady. Blue haired TikTok lady who does live in Otero County. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The She's the one. She's the one. She must work for this teachers union or the the school district trying to uh, indoctrinate kids. That's my guess. It's possible. Well, we have just like many states uh, a bunch of community organizing groups that really have no discernible relationship with the community. But these are all, all George Soros funded groups like Cafe, right. um, and so they're they're splintered through. And so whenever there's a political battle, an election battle, that's when they rear their ugly heads. They show up. And so uh, as soon as we started scratching back and looking at our elections, the community organizers are the ones that have emerged. So these are political operatives. They're not even really your your garden variety person who cares about Otero County. Um, they're, they're networked. So you, you're almost, you're 15% through the canvas. So you got another yeah. 85%. <clears throat> yeah, I think what we wanna do is have the data analysis fairly well um, wrapped up and detailed by the same time that Dr. Shiva finish, or finishes his reports so that we can at least have a preliminary um, canvas finding. And if okay. the commission wants to continue, we may do that. I think we might go to mail canvas at that point because Otero County is enormous and it has a lot of very rural precincts that would take you know, days to canvas. Um, so we'll We'll reevaluate probably in the next three or four weeks as far as if we want to stop doing the door to door and go to mail, um, check back in with the county commission and see how they want to proceed. Or if, I mean, we have such a huge sample size that the numbers aren't going to change much um, from where we're at. So I think it's pretty safe to say we can make conclusions even where we're at right now. Yeah. So we've consulted with Shiva on the best practices of, of how to do that. But when we do, we're doing full precincts. So we're doing every home in a precinct, precinct by precinct. And we could take that as far as we can and, and make some pretty strong inferences under, uh, you know, scientifically sound methodologies. If we need to convert at some point to this rural area and have a, a highly randomized uh, thing where we can still draw some conclusions there. But I talked with Shiva just the other day. He's like, geez, with the sample size you've got, you know, cause it was like around 3000 addresses, you know, you've got a two point margin of error at the most uh, and a 99%, I think certainty uh, rating. I don't know what the exact terminology was, but the sample size right now is already, uh, you know, when you think of most polls, to do, you know, usually you have 500 right. and that passes muster, you, you know that. So we've got large numbers now to really draw some some strong conclusions and we're gonna continue. So we expect that, you know, Shiva's pretty quick. He usually turns things around about 20 to 30 days. That's our hope that he'll do the same thing here in um, um, Otero. That'll give us another month to continue canvassing through full precincts. And if we've got to make some adjustments, we will. But it'll be in consultation with scientists to make sure that whatever methodology is is by the book. Okay, so let's. L l you said three thousand homes. Is that is that right? Three thousand addresses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so how many people do you have in your fifteen percent thus far? Uh, it's probably three thousand times one and a half or so. Okay. So about forty-two. Yeah. Okay, so forty-five hundred is a pretty big sampling. Um, the only mm -hmm. thing that I would say from a mathematical standpoint is to make sure you have enough adequate sampling from different precincts so that you're not actually drawing from one collected area because then they could yes. say, well, that collected area isn't. So, so there is there is some uh, the methodology into it that would increase the error size if you did not have a wider swath of, of uh, yeah. narrative. Yes. Well, there's what I think what Aaron Aaron's research is that you've got Tularosa, Alamogordo, and La Luz are kind of your your yeah. population centers, and then when you start getting out into Cloudcroft and the mountain area, which we're canvassing mm -hmm. there. We're so we have, yeah, yeah, we're canvassing out there, but it's <clears throat> it's just um, you know you just there there is the the labor aspect of having someone drive because you can literally spend two hours driving from one end of the county to the other. It's it's massive. Otero counties are very very large space. But um, 
uh, everything's on the table. We want to make sure that whatever happens is produ is produced is, is in consultation with uh, the best canvassing operation that's out there. Okay, so can I switch gears for a minute? We we know that you're making some great progress in Otero County. We know that you're going to get to the bottom of this fraud. How how's uh how's your walk with Jesus? Hmm. Oh, I it's everything. You know, the the darker and uh, the more severe the attacks, <laughs> who else are you going to go to? So I would say that Aaron and I are, uh, you know, the operative scripture is sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Uh, there, there are days when neither of us wants to get out of bed because it's just, you know, what bad news are, are we going to see? Um, but it's it's forced us both to become uh, much closer with the Lord. And it's, it's forced us to seek out fellowship from our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so uh, all is well with uh, with the Jesus front. Uh, it's the only thing that keeps us going. Um, and I, I think I could speak for both of us there, Aaron. I think we both had, have a very, very, uh, it's hard to describe. I think our faith has leaped um, by, by just an uptick that it's hard to measure over the past year because we've, we're having to rely on faith that, that God's gonna meet our needs. A lot of the folks that have come around this audit we didn't know a few months ago. Other people are showing up on the weekends out of nowhere. They provide us with hope. And um, and so it's great to know that we're not alone. I'll be honest with you, the Nevada findings, I've been, I've been broadcasting this county commission strategy for months. Get in there and just get your county commissions. And I didn't even touch Nevada. Someone else had the same brilliant thought and they got it done. And I'm sitting there going, they didn't even do an audit. All they did was have some experts that talked about how the machines were vulnerable, and that was enough. There's not enough public public trust, and um, and then you have that result that's a bombshell. So, like my hope and prayer is that many people realize that you don't have to do what we're doing in Otero. We want to seize the opportunity. We want to make as much of this as we can and share the information. But it really comes back to what you said, Joe, from the day from day one, which is this is about trust, and uh, so. And I would add to that, um, that I can see God at work in so many ways that, you know, like as a engineer and a planner and somebody that always thinks through everything logically, there's been so many times in these last few months since Otero County decided to do this audit that God has just provided. And I had no idea where it was going to come from. And I've learned to just wait and see what he's going to do. And it's like um, one of the wonderful people I've been working with since the beginning of the whole election fraud investigation in our, in our state. And she told me, you know, Erin, I've never felt so led. And she was one of the people that was instrumental in just getting our foot in the door um, to have the precedent, to have access to all the all the election records through public documents requests. And it's just, just one thing after another. And I can see how God has just worked out this amazing story um, given us exactly the right paper trail, exactly the right people. Coy Griffin just happening to be in the county next door. The fact it's the county next door is very helpful since I'm there every Saturday <laughs> canvassing. But, you know, his his provision has truly been amazing. So, you know, I, I said this before that I thought that God was leading us down a, you know, and, and I think it was Coy that said it, judgment or redemption. Like, are we headed towards final judgment? Are we headed towards a day of, of reckoning? Or are we headed towards redemption from the Lord? And I believe that we're headed towards redemption. Mm -hmm. I believe that God is just moving mountains in our community. So the next question I have for you is, is not going to be an easy one because I've seen the pictures. It makes me smile. I have two young kids. Or actually, I have two older, but they're still young. Not as young as yours. Um, how are the kids holding up through this? Um, as the person that's supposed to be homeschooling them on a daily basis, I feel like um, our, our oldest is very mature about it. He understands what's going on. He understands it better than most adults. And I think he's, he's matured a lot because he's had to uh, become more of a man as an 11-year-old child and help take care of his siblings. And I think the two little ones are, are little enough that they're not that aware. I mean, our, our seven-year-old will talk about ballots and election fraud all the time. There I don't think go. she really knows what she's 
thinking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. I think they're doing okay. Yeah, our, our youngest is kind of the joy. Uh, he's mm-hmm. four years old, and we get a little semblance or reminder of what the world could be like because the weight that's on us isn't on him. You know, he's still a four-year-old. Our, our seven-year-old, I, I worry about because she's, um, we're not there. I mean, we are, but we're not. We're angry. We're impatient. We're stressed. There's not enough time in the day. And so they don't get, they're not getting the parents that they deserve. And, um, but they're getting the parents that are doing the best that they can with the tasks that are there. And we hope that, um, you know, they can learn from the vulnerability that we're showing. I hope we hope that they can learn from us when we're short with them, um, that everything's not going to be perfect. But my, my oldest boy, uh, Roland, uh, I refer to him as little John Quincy, you know, John Quincy Adams. John oh, Quincy yeah. was you know, a kid that followed pops around and he sacrificed his childhood. And we had that conversation that son, your childhood's over. And he, so we wanted to cast an adventure for him. I need you. Uh, we need you to, to to take care of your mom when I'm gone. We need you to take care of your sister. And it's not perfect. I mean, he's still growing, but he he is uh, he has taken on the adventure and he's taken the responsibility. And, uh, and so I um, I think it's about as good as we could hope for, all things considered. But I think we'd both like to have a little bit more patience and a little bit more in the tank to to be there for him. And we hope that this season will will pass soon because we're we are tired. Well, I'm going to tell you that there's there's a thing that someone once told me because I was driven by my ambition. I mean, and you know, I've done some amazing things in my life. Is Joe take a take a breath? Someone years ago said take a breath and then don't forget to look down. In other words, our kids are typically smaller than us. Look down. Give yeah. them that time, give them that that connection because they need it and they'll remember it. And they'll remember all the hard work and the things that you do, but they'll more remember the connection of that time that that you look down and you recognize they need you and you were there for them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I, I have an amazing relationship with both my kids. And so I did that. That was the thing that I did. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm, I'm a better man and a better father and I have a better relationship for it, but the sacrifice you're making is needed. And I just want to say, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Well, thank you, Joe. We, we know we're not alone. And um, every day we run into patriots. Some have yeah. bigger platforms than other, but there's work that has been done in this audit that I'm not doing. I mean, we've got canvassers. If we showed up every Saturday and we didn't have 50 people showing up, it wouldn't get done. Right. And those 50 don't have the megaphone, but they're there. And so, um, you know, the, the people that we're most impressed by are the people that don't have the platform, don't get the praise, they don't get the credit, but they're grinding. Right. And we get to be their cheerleaders. And um, so uh, we want to honor the work of the folks that have volunteered. And and I, I, I've been to enough states, about 30 states in person over the past calendar year. And um, it's the same everywhere. You've got all of these unsung heroes that just happen to emerge saying, look what I found. And, and, we're frequently blown away by stuff that we weren't expecting. And that's God. God's just working through all of this. And so uh, amen to the redemption. I think that we're not spinning our wheels just to be let down. I think God is teaching us a lesson. I do too. He's helping us restore confidence in our country. Um, but it, 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 it's been a difficult and painful lesson. Well, um, I'll, we're, we're out of time. So I'll give you the final word if you just want to. And, and I will definitely have you back on for an update. Uh, you are welcome on this show anytime you want. Um, I'll do a special in the middle of the day if you have something that's breaking. I'm sure that our listeners will do that as well. But uh, we'll be praying for you. Um, I'm asking everyone that is listening right now to pray for David, pray for Aaron, pray for their kids, pray for the people that are out there doing the canvassing and, and, and showing up to make sure that this hard work can get done so we can get to the bottom of the truth. Well, the, the final word would be this, Joe, that um, we're getting attacked like big time. And so um, we want the folks that are watching this, that follow me, that follow you to fight back. I mean, we need ambassadors. We need fighters that, that will take the time to correct the record. And so today we were able to share some of the shenanigans and the fabrication that's happening. Um, 
But our greatest strength is always going to be in our numbers as Patriots. And so if we have people that would give up the passiveness of being a passive Patriot and being active to say, you know, if there's anything I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to share this program far and wide so people can get both sides of the story, because right now they're getting something from Rachel Maddow and the Daily Beast. And they're not getting it from a lot of these other Patriot networks. And we don't we don't want the attention. We just want the truth to be known. And the only protection we really have outside of God Almighty is the public. You know, if, if that's the reason why we report these things is because we're, we're fighting battles every day where the, the AG is trying to destroy us. The Secretary of State's trying to discredit us. And, and our only chance is to get ahead of it and have people talking. And, and that's what we need. Well, I got to tell you, I, uh, I'm in your corner. If you need me to come down to Otero County um, to go me- see the blue-haired uh, TikTok person, <laughs> or you want me to stand out front at your house, um, you know, I, like I said before, I've never seen a fight I didn't like. I'm a very peaceful person until you come at me or come at my friend. So you obviously know that you can call on me anytime. I want to tell everyone that you can go to Fight Back. You can go to Fight Back and you can donate and help with this audit. You can also help with some of the expenses that have been burdened with David and Aaron. They won't ask for it, but I will tell you. So you can go to fightback.law, right? Fightback.law. That's and, right. And you can contribute to, I sit on the board, David sits on the board, uh, Lynn Wood sits on the board, and uh, Jaron Jackson sits on the board. I could talk about just all these great patriots. Go to fightback.law and just uh, give a little and uh, drop them a note as well. God bless both of you. God bless you, Joe. Thank you so much. All right. You know, it's, uh, it's doing the hard work, keeping your head down and just doing the thankless work and you're getting attacked. So the people that appreciate you typically aren't the ones speaking. They're like, oh, I'm just really glad they're doing the work. And so you take a lot of punches. So they've taken a lot of punches. And I think one of the, the things that, that I want to p- point out that I think is important is that there's, there, there's, no, <laughs> there's no 70 virgins <laughs> for standing up for truth, right? It's not the extremism of the radical left is that they always have this like weird little here's your reward deal uh, for extremism, and we don't have any of that. There's no reward. The reward is you lose your job, you lose your passion. You step in the gap and help another, other Americans. And you do so because you love your country and you love the people in it. You love Americans. So that's why David and Aaron do the things that they do while they come under scrutiny and attack so often. So we're out of time. I got uh, one more ad read for you. I think you're going to want to hear this one, especially my friends that took my cigars. Liberty Cigar Company has uh, the first six presidents and one beautiful cigar collection. These great men guide our nation admirably. Each cigar mirrors the personality of one so honored. The set has a George Washington, a John Adams, a Thomas Jefferson, a James Madison, a James Monroe, and a John Quincy Adams cigar. So the conservative daily audience gets a 17.76% discount on the early Republic series, originally priced at $89 if you go to libertycigars.com and use the promo code LIBERTY. Um, Go there and buy me some cigars. And if you're my friend that took my cigars, either spit it out (laughs) or go get me some more. Don't. So uh, that's it. For this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast, yeah, they, they keep want me to stop talking about the fact that I smoke cigars. I don't smoke that many cigars. That's why I had 30 of them. <laughs> they smoked them all. Uh, but I do smoke every now and then. I'll smoke a cigar. Uh, but I didn't inhale. Okay, you didn't get that. Some of you did. Most of you did. I did not inhale. I did not inhale. I, I did, did not, not have, have sexual relations. <laughs> okay, there we go, Mr. Producer. Hey, guys, listen, it is Friday. We're heading into a weekend. I want you to do a few things for me. I want you to get on your knees and pray. I want you to just pray to God and say, listen, this is a restorative time of our history. This is the great revival. You know, you know, we, 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 we wouldn't mind seeing Jesus, but we, we think that if you restore and you give us an opportunity to speak up and be advocates for truth and be ambassadors for truth, that we will, we will honor you. We will honor him. We'll honor Jesus and his sacrifice so that we can give our children and future generations an opportunity 
that they're going to be lacking if it heads down this communist and socialist path. So we're out of time. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on Rumble at Conservative Daily. You can follow us on Telegram. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, Rumble, DLive, Twitch, Frank Speech, Cloud Hub. And you can see us on the audio version at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Audible. Subscribe and give us a five-star review. Share our episode if you like what you hear with someone who needs or uh, might just enjoy it. If you need a reminder when we go live, you can text the word FREEDOM, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, to 89517 to sign up for our text alerts. Also, give me your email address so I can personally talk to you. A couple days ago, I went in and just picked an email, and I sent an email to someone, and they said, is this really Joe Oldman? Why would you send me an email? And I was like, it is. I just wanted to see how you like the show. I saw that you, you, know, you constantly are hammering uh, Congress, and so we talked for 45 minutes, so go in and do that. I'm one of those guys that, as you see me on Telegram, you will, you will notice that I do have conversations with people. I do read the comments personally. Also, I'm on Truth Social. You go to Truth Social at Joe Oltman. I am there. I still don't know how to get my little red check mark yet. I guess I'm not that important. I wasn't even on the Christmas card list to start with. So I'm just happy and very, very grateful to be on there. So don't kick me off for saying that. But that's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I am your host, Joe Oltman. Remember, the fight is not won, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Be safe and uh, love on your family.